What's shaking, cats and kittens? Rob Lee here for this month's presenting sponsor, Night Owl Gallery. Night Owl Gallery is an intimate, artist-run exhibition space showcasing the original paintings and fine art prints of Beth Ann Wilson. Also, it features curated goods from local artists and craftsmen. You'll be sure to find one-of-a-kind gifts, handcrafted jewelry, home decor items, along with a few vintage treasures. Located in the rear of 248 South Conklin Street in Highlandtown, across from the Sally O's, Night Owl Gallery is a unique space that brings together Wilson's love of the arts, community, and culture. Additionally, Night Owl Gallery hosts an array of arts and crafts workshops throughout the year and participates in community events, many of which are free and open to the public. So in this ever-changing world, safety is their priority. So feel free to join them and hit them up online at www.nightowl.gallery. Tell them Rob Lee sent you. Welcome to Getting to the Truth in This Art. I'm Rob Lee. And today's guest is Baltimore Music and Community Outreach Manager at WTMD, a NPR affiliate music station in Baltimore. We have Sam Sessa. Welcome to the podcast. Rob, thanks so much for having me, man. It's really great to be, be, to be here. I'm, I'm happy to have you here. It's, it's being able to talk music. It's being able to talk a little, because um, I want to pick your brain a little bit. So we're, we're going to do that. But um, <laughs> describe your work and, and your creative background. Like, I, I, what does that outreach manager that Baltimore music kind of, kind of resource entail. What does that look like? My title is so weird, uh, <laughs> but basically I'm the Baltimore music person at WTMD. So like WTMD were, you know, like you said, NPR affiliate music station, we do a lot of stuff for the community in the community. We're mostly financed by members from our community here. And so we are super into Baltimore music, Maryland music. Um, and we play it more than any other radio station on the dial. And um, every hour there's music from some Baltimore band or, or Maryland artist of some kind. And so we do a lot of concerts. Well, did before the pandemic, a lot of concerts at the station. Um, sure because we have a performance studio in the station and we broadcast them live and that's cool. Uh, and we do some concerts and other events like in and around the city, in and around the state. Um, and so I help out with those as much as I can and um, kind of help um, bring Baltimore music to the airwaves, um, you know, help put it in the pipeline at the station. So that's, that's interesting. Like, and so in terms of the, the demographics that are, are with the station, like, is it specifically like, like super regional. Cause I'm, I'm a little bit of a radio nerd. So is it like super regional? Is it broader? And the reason I ask that is there seems to be this attention around like Baltimore music and it kind of getting its due with some, some of this top 40 stuff or, or top 10 stuff. And in the urban like kind of sector, what have you of that's Baltimore club music in that song right there. And it not really getting this credit. So in terms of maybe the audience base, how broad is that audience and kind of what region is purely here or is it broader that um, WTMD is uh, working with? Biggest listenership is here. It's okay. from, you know, Baltimore city, Baltimore County, the surrounding counties around Baltimore city, but we do have people listen kind of across the country and occasionally from around the world, we'll get, you know, feedback emails from Germany or wherever else. Oh. Um, Oh, I should say also hosts the Baltimore music show, Baltimore hit parade, which I've been hosting for 15 years in October. Um, so a minute. So, so, so the hit parade What's the hit parade. That's, that's one of my latter, later questions. You're reading ahead. You're reading ahead. Oh, <laughs> no, you're all good. Uh, so, so give us that rundown. Uh, what is that? What is the hit parade? Sure. So it plays, we play, I play, I play exclusively like music from Baltimore musicians and Maryland musicians. It's an hour. It airs twice a week. So it airs, Sunday afternoons at four and Tuesday afternoons, Tuesday evenings at 10. And listen, I'm going to back up for a sec. 
most radio stations don't even have a show like this. The mm-hmm. ones that do, it's buried at like midnight on a Sunday or something. So they can just say they have it. But yeah. We actually like we, we, we walk the walk and we really do try and get like a, a pretty diverse mix of music out there you know, a couple hours. And I, what I try to do on my show is stuff that I feel is important, stuff that I feel yeah. is really good, regardless of what the genre is. Yeah. So, you know, I, you know, we'll, I'll do deep dives with Lafayette Gilchrist from the jazz community. I've had DDM on the show multiple times, you know, like from the hip hop community and, yeah. and TT, the artist was on recently, but then also like, you know, super city and Dan Deacon and beach house and, you know, the more kind of prominent Baltimore bands uh, as well. So it really is all over the spectrum um, for that. And then, the, and then, Often they'll perform in studio, um, not as much recently because we haven't had people in the studio as much, but that's kind of the idea anyway. No, I dig it. And it, it has the, like, when you mentioned something that's kind of buried, I, I'm, a, I'm a Morgan State alum and I look at uh, their, their, their radio program that would be on like super late. And I was like, yeah, this is buried. I'm not going to be up at midnight to listen to anything other than like the sound of myself snoring. So, <laughs> you know, it, it's one of those things. But, you know, uh, when I was younger, I, w- I would go back through and listen just to get an idea of what kind of artists are we, we putting out there? Because there is this belief, um, and maybe I want to get your take on it, this, this belief around, um, from a pop culture standpoint, from a music standpoint, who are the representatives from Baltimore and what would it take to them for them to kind of break through and, and get in a larger space as being a Baltimore musician? Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, this is, hold on. Let me go back just a second. And I will give some props to Morgan because they do have an on WEA. They do have some great shows. I yes. will give, I'll shout out to um, Celine, uh, Celine and the Music Lovers, who yes. does Hopper visited there. So they've got they definitely got some good Baltimore stuff. And some good Absolutely. Stuff. Um, but to answer your question, I've talked about this a lot with my boss, um, Scott Mullins, who's our general manager, and he and I, I totally agree with him on this. What a musician traditionally needs to really help get out there, at least, you know, starting on a regional local level is you need a good alternative weekly, like a city paper. Mm. You need to have a good radio station that champions music from wherever you're from. Um, And you, you know, it it really helps to have a great locally oriented daily newspaper. But I would say, you know, in, in 2021, you need to have like, enough of a network of blogs or websites or critics that, that notice it, that write about it to kind of get like this cute, there's like a cumulative effect that happens with, with really any journalism, but especially music journals was like enough people write about you. Mm-hmm. Then people start to write about you just because people are writing about you or, right. or, you know, interviewing you because other people are in it. You know what I mean? Like so it does snowball. Um, but you also have to have interesting music. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, but I think all those things together, like when they happen in tandem, like it really does make a difference. Like, you know, we have seen artists come through from Baltimore that were not that well known before yeah. that, you know, we got behind early and introduced people to. And then, like, I'm not saying we're the reason that they're famous, sure. but we were one step in that journey. Um, yeah, that's that's that is, it's interesting that you say that um as far as like the the, the weekly kind of the, the free paper and cause I, as i think you get and it's, and it's no shade no knocks any of that to to anyone doing the journalism piece here but i think just adding to that view if i you know when it existed i would get city paper i would get baltimore sun i would get a little bit of everything or whatever free paper that was around it's like let me stack these up i'm going to learn something 
that kind of makes it more holistic as to whatever stories are happening that I'm reading. It's like, I'm going to get that alternative point of view and I'm going to get the official quote unquote point of view. And I think I would often go into like the more free publications and it's like, Oh yeah. So that's, what's happening. That, there's a show that's happening at this place. And I'm going to find out about this band or this artist. And yeah, I think that's a piece of it and a big piece. And I know for myself, if I go traveling and I think a lot of the things and maybe one of the byproducts of this podcast is to encourage people to come to Baltimore, check it out, is when you have a station such as where you're working at and you're able to showcase the talent that's here, people are checking for that. I know when I go to a different city, I go to Atlanta, it's like, what is the Atlanta station? I want to get a temperature of this full immersive what's happening here. And I think if you have resources like that and you have stations that are committed to it, like WTMD is, then it, it makes a lot of sense for people coming here to get dipped, to, to understand really what's happening. Sure, sure. Um, I think that is something that strangely we are missing today, which mm -hmm. is an easy place to go to get just a feel for what's going on that night or that weekend or that week, wherever you are. Like social media was supposed to make that easier and it kind of did for a little while, but now yeah. you look and it's like, unless you're paying to promote it or you have the right friends, you're not going to find it. And, and I, that is a real shame because it used to be where you could just go to some random city, pick up the weekly or the newspaper or whatever, and be like, Oh, this is where it is. Or even like go to a website, like show space yeah. for Baltimore and it would have all the listings, you know, but it's, it's harder and harder to find. Um, yeah. it's, it's made it more of a challenge. And, you know, it's a project that I've been working on, um, uh, putting together just lists of, I, I was doing it from a podcast space, but Baltimore related podcasts, putting together a playlist of that. But then it's a matter of how do you get it out there? How do you communicate it? It's like, I can share it with the people that are in my phone that are on Spotify or what have you. But if I were to cast it to a social media platform, it's, it's going to get absorbed. It's going to get eaten up and people aren't going to see it. So you aren't able to really share something like that. Unless, as you said, you're, you're, you're paying for it, or you have some, some version of a hookup. And, um, and that's happening in various forms of media and music, especially. Um, so let, let's switch gears a little bit. Outreach manager. Uh, so, <laughs> so, so as an outreach manager, um, what skills do you rely on the most? Begging people to come to our concerts. <laughs> no, honestly, you know what it is? I wish somebody had told me about this before I started producing concerts and really just any event, like, but especially concerts. Concerts are 90% emails and phone calls and 10% events and music. You know what I mean? Like yeah. literally like I am always during, during, during lockdown, like when I was home uh, with my kids every day yeah. and you know, they're homeschool or they're doing a virtual school and I'm doing virtual work, whatever. And they're like, daddy, who are you talking to on the phone all day? And I'm like, I honestly, I don't even know, but it's <laughs> a lot of people because building these relationships is what has allowed us to do these shows. Like, you know, we're a public radio station. We don't have a big budget. I can't go to, you know, some band and be like, Hey, I can pay you $10,000 to do this really cool show. I have an idea for yeah. it has to be, Hey, you, you know, buddy, like, can you help me out? And, you know, can we maybe work together on something cool? And luckily Baltimore is a city with musicians that are always open to that or usually open to that, um, you know, getting together and figuring something out like, okay, for example, 
there's a great vocal percussionist Shodake. Uh, he's like the best, like I'm going to call him a beatboxer, but he does beatboxing and breath art and you know, other vocal percussion. Right. And he was doing this uh, showcase called embody like a showcase of, of the human voice. And he'd started doing it in like the wind up space and some other mm-hmm. clubs. And I was like, Shodake, we should come up and do like one bigger one a year at WTMD and we'll broadcast it on the radio. And we did. And it, it's become one of our more successful like series event series. And, um, we were able to just because of who, you know, uh, I've worked with and who he's worked with, put together some really, really great embodies. Like we did one with um, Dan Deacon and uh, some other artists. We did one with Raul Midan and um, Bobby McFerrin's daughter, Madison McFerrin. Yeah. And, um, you know, just some, some really cool uh, showcases of the human voice. And like, that's the kind of stuff I love working on the most. Like these, I did, I do a show series called um, classical music for people with short attention spans. <laughs> Um, and it's like the best four minutes of all of our favorite classical songs from this and that. And then work with Classical Revolution, um, yeah. Rafael Dreisen and some of those other folks and just super talented musicians. You know, again, they're, they're, they, they want to do something cool. Um, and so it, it really helps to have musicians that have that mind, share that mindset. Um, and our biggest ticketed concert series kind of fell into have young kids. My kids are six and eight now. And I was at the library and with some moms doing baby story time wore my TMD shirt and they were like, Oh man, we love TMD. We still love coming to your concerts, but got kids now. Can't really get out much, you know, and, you know? And I was like, God, man, we should do concerts for us. Right. Like yeah. parents with young kids, like, and not like Barney, you know, you know, but like shows that I would want to go see at night, yeah. Yeah. just in the morning. And so we do that. Um, it's called Saturday morning tunes, like T U N E S. And, um, you know, it's we've, the biggest one I think we ever did. We had about 1200 parents and kids there. It was nice. It was wow. big. Um, but we've done like, you know, fish for kids. Uh, we're doing yellow dead Marine, which is this like Beatles reggae band, um, in a, in a month. Yeah. Um, so, and at like power plant live or breweries <laughs> or, you know, places where you can go and like, you know, maybe have a drink if you want to. And yeah. like, it's, it's worked out really well for us. So uh, it's kind of a long way of answering like kind of the outreach stuff is by bringing people into our studio for concerts and art exhibits and movie series and things, but then also by like doing concerts out in the community as well. No, that, that definitely peels back the onion a touch. And, uh, it sounds like really interesting. You're able to, um, maybe flex those creative muscles more than you were, more than you were giving yourself, like how you, <laughs> how you're running into people encountering them and being able to, um, Cause even if it's a, I would imagine a collaborative idea of coming up with the concert or coming up with the programming that pitching it could be a little bit of a, <laughs> it's like, yeah, so here's this idea I have. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, you, you know what the trick is, what I found that? over the years, you email the hard questions. Okay. Because everybody says yes in person and you can't guarantee that that means yes, I'll do the show just cause they say, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. You know, it yeah. doesn't mean anything. You have to, you have to get an email. Yes. Once you get an email, yes, then you can follow it up with like a text conversation or, you know, a phone call, but you got to go with a soft ask on the email first. Noted. That's, 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 a, that's, a, that's a good gem right there. Cause um, I think in just the, the, the notion of outreach and, and people are, I'll say here in, in Baltimore that um, people are very, once you're in and you're, you're in a community or numerous communities or numerous tribes, however you want to deem it, 
once you're in, people want to work with you, want to do stuff with you. If, if they're like, Oh, you're, you're good. You're, you've been vouched for, but because that's the nature, I think sometimes people are doing so many things that it's like, Oh, I'm, I'm double booked or I really want to do it, but I can't. And that's what I find on occasion with this pod. And, you know, like, as you can probably see, there's two, three episodes going out a week. And, uh, I'm like, okay, this would make sense to go this time. Let me give some love to this, these people here. Oh man, I've recorded that three months ago. Let me get this out there. And I find myself kind of diving into it and being absorbed, but it's a really good feeling to be able to work with so many different people. So, so how's that felt for you to be able to work with so many different artists that are, are, are doing really good stuff here? And, and, and I would imagine as you, you touched on, you know, having that interesting music, having that stuff that's like, okay, yeah, I like what you're doing. How's that been? You know, you talk about like bringing in different people and it's something that I've become a lot more conscious of in the last maybe like five years or so where I'll keep a running list now of the guests on the show. And like you do, I'm sure like when you look, when you look at your thing, it's like, well, I've got Max Weiss in, I've got Justin Fenton in, I've got DDM. And you really do like bring in a really nice um, kind of group of, of different voices. And I, I, that's what I try to do on WTND is I try to say, okay, well, I just had a rock band. So I don't want to have a rock band for the next couple of weeks. Like I want to have, you know, something very, what's different. What's, you know, how many different kinds of voices can I get in? Like, you know, yeah. male, female, you know, LGBTQ, like what different genres can I bring in? Because as, as you know, is what you're saying, like Baltimore. Well, I'm, okay. So I'm, I'm working on a documentary, a short documentary about the Baltimore music scene. Mm -hmm. And in it, one of the first things in the trailer, one of the first things that this, this guy says is, you know, Baltimore isn't like Seattle in the nineties or New York in the two thousands. Like there's no one genre that defines the Baltimore music scene. Um, instead there's this kind of attitude, this, this willingness to experiment, to kind of test the limits of things, to push boundaries. And I've always thought like, or at least in the last 15 years of covering the scene, that's been really the one thing that makes Baltimore music, Baltimore music. And so there's like, it's not like you've got the rock scene and that's it. Like you've got every, and everybody's more and more collaborating with each other and, and concerts, which used to be like three rock bands, three rappers, three jazz artists, whatever. It's, it's, like a Spotify playlist, like DDM was talking about this. Like he's, you never know what you're going to get at a Baltimore concert. Like you could get, yeah. you know, five different bands from five totally different walks of life playing five totally different kinds of music. And so I feel like shows and shows like mine and radio stations, like, like the one I work for, we need to reflect that. And so that's what we try so, to do. Yeah. Um, at, at one point there was this, um, the, it, it gives me that, that kind of mixtape vibe, but not in a, in a mixtape sense that, yeah, I'm going to have this particular genre. It has a theme to it. The, the only theme is that these people, these artists are, are from Baltimore, have a connection to Baltimore. And the, the, the through line I would have with some of the stuff I would do, like in terms of what's popping right now, what is, and I just remember it was like, I forget who I had this conversation with, but I was like, I feel like music has felt really weird for like the last 10 years or what have you. It's just like something that's lacking in terms of what's, being what you're what you're encountering like right there at the forefront it's like something is kind of like like missing it's either the way it's being delivered or it, just things don't have that energy and that kind of like um that i've been looking for and but I'm, i've been seeing it here and i think that was like wow somehow it was right there around me the whole time but i've been missing it because i was looking outwardly 
And now I'm like, oh yeah, that that's knock. That's been great. Like, you know, for like a song when um when Dark City came out, um, uh, and Hey Baltimore, I I know that song had been out for a couple of years, but when I heard it, I just kept playing it. I was like, oh, this is. It, 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 it's old, it's new, it's, it has elements of different things that I like, and it's about my city. And I was like, oh, wow, I, I, you know, I felt something for this. And a lot of times stuff is disposable, I guess, to use lack of a better term. And um, the stuff here has felt like kind of fresh and inviting. It's not because I'm a homer, you know? <laughs> sure, totally. I mean, that song is, like you said, it's a great example of, you know, mixing a couple of different things together, but it's got some of my favorite Baltimore musicians like Rufus Roundtree, Easy Jackson. I love those guys and have been working with them for many years. And dude, we did it. So when the pen, when the lockdown was getting a little bit better last summer, yeah. um, I partnered with the Urban Pirate Ship. Okay. Remember the, that pirate ship that floats around? Yeah. And Stages Music Arts is audio production company. And we put on a floating concert where nice. it was just me and the band on the boat and the crew. And Rufus Roundtree was the, that was the band. Yeah. And we went around and gave these little free mini concerts at like outdoor parks and stuff. And really like, like I knew that Rufus was the, was, that was the band for it because like, it's one of the most broadly appealing music. Like you listen to that music and it like moves you, it touches you no matter who you are, where you come from, like yeah. that music and the way they play it, it's phenomenal. And you know, Hey Baltimore, like it's great. It's like some of that. It's like some easy. It's like some, yeah, it's, it's, it's really nice. And it's, it's funny. Like recently I, um, I interviewed uh, Chris and uh, so it's like, I was joking. I was like, I've now had two thirds of the song. I was like, I just got to get Rufus. And, <laughs> and he, he was giving me this, he's like, you know, there's actually a 20 minute version of this song. I was like, are you kidding me? He's like, easy as rapping for 10 minutes. Rufus is like, like just going off singing for like 10 minutes. It's like, look, I need this to be like four minutes. <laughs> he's like, he's like, I might, he's like, I'm going to sit on for a little while. There's a 20 minute version. Just so you know, that's great. <laughs> Uh, you know, going back to what you're saying, like, but older stuff still sounding fresh. Like I, I go back sometimes and listen to uh teen dream from beach house, which was, mm. which is like 10 years old now, you know? Mm. And uh, th some of that stuff, some of like Dan Deacon's earlier stuff, I go back and listen to, I give lectures sometimes on this is so weird to say, but <laughs> I give lectures on the Baltimore music scene from like 2000 to 2010. Yeah. And uh, I play like, you know, MIA because it's got, um, black star on it, you know, mm -hmm. and I play some black star and then I play some toad it, you know, and I play some government names from the wire from yeah. like, you know, Oh four or five Oh six. And some of that stuff still sounds really fresh and yes. it's surprising how good it's aged, how well it's aged. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm one of those people like, this is, this is ridiculous. I'm going to admit it and I don't want to, but I, I, I go in and I kind of just, sometimes I just put something on. It's like, what does this sound like? And I'll just let Spotify just do it. It's G DJ Spotify. And, uh, it was a, what is his name? Uh, it was a Paul Stanley song that just popped up and it, it was like, Oh, he had, this is off the solo album. And I was like, this is fire. And it's just sitting there now, granted he and I share a birthday. So I already have that, <laughs> that kind of predilection. I, I have a list. My, my girlfriend gives me crap about it, but I have a list of artists with the same birthday that I have. So sure. it's like him quest love, uh, the dude from tame Impala. It's just like, this is my list, right? Here. <laughs> nice. And, uh, just like, what's, why is Paul Stanley playing so loud? I was like, look, I like this song. 
You know, I haven't listened to that record, but someone was telling me about that. You're the second person to talk to me about that in the last like, week. <laughs> I, I've got to check this out, right? Yeah, you do. It's, it's like the White Rabbit thing. You Belong to Me is the, is the, is the tune, I think. That's the name of it. Uh, it's, a, it's a good one. And okay. it was the year, it was 1978, and they all, each member in the, the original group, they all released solo albums, like, in that, the same month. So, yeah. A little, little competition there? Not A little bit of a show. A little bit of a show. <laughs> uh, so, in, in the, the various hats that you wear, because it's not just isolated to... You know, because you, you touched on you, you, you do lectures and stuff. It's not purely the outreach role. It's not purely covering Baltimore music. All of those make up but ultimately a lot of the work that you're doing it because you even touched on the, the filmmaking aspects. You're, you're doing a lot. What do you love most about what you do and why? So I was thinking about this because I listened to some of your old podcasts and you start off with like the big picture question, like, you know, pulling back, like, you know, bird's eye view of what you do. And I thought for myself, I think if I could sum up my career, like at the Baltimore Sun, uh, at TMD, all the projects I've done, I would say I see myself kind of as a cheerleader for the arts and music in Baltimore and Maryland. I, I feel like that's what I've done ever since um, I started working professionally. And, and, you know, you were talking to Justin Benton about this and, and you asked him like, you know, what about the good stuff? You know, we ever cover the good stuff. And he's like, no, no, I leave that to like the, you know, the features folks. And I was one of those folks. I was a features <laughs> folk yeah. for like 10 years at the sun writing about, and I would let the Justin Fenton's handle the crime and the <laughs> corruption and whatnot, because I didn't want to tell those stories. I want to tell the stories of like Wendell Patrick, you know, uh, and slash Kevin gift and like his amazing talents and his life story, you know, and, and, um, like the show decays and like, like though that was always more interesting to me. Like yeah. I always wanted to tell people about some, but something they didn't know that wasn't bad, <laughs> like something yeah. that was good and different and interesting. And yeah. so, that's how I kind of see like my body of work, my career arc has been trying to, to, to tell more people about what's happening in Maryland, what's happening in Baltimore specifically. Yeah, that's, that's great. And I think it really aligns with what I, what I try. I had to write up something earlier and I was, and I was like, how can I really express this? It's like, I know what it is, but I'm too busy doing it to really get into the minutia of describing what it is. But ultimately if I were to break it down and had to, in that scenario was, it's like, I just want to add to the conversation and I try to say, Oh, this is, none of this is happening. No, obviously this is happening, but also these really cool, unique and very specific to Baltimore things are happening that often are getting overlooked for a multitude of reasons. And I think that that's what the crux of this is. Like I have guests on, I just let them talk about, you know, I got questions, but pretty much it's free reign. Just get yourself over ultimately and using wrestling terms. <laughs> and, um, you know, it, sometimes people kind of get it and they put forth their, their you know, it, the ideal of what they want to put out there in terms of like a brand or themselves as creative. And as I was saying to you before we got started, uh, some don't. <laughs> and um, so that's that's what that is. Uh, I got a few more questions here. Um, so you, you, you did the entertainment writing for a bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was the nightlife columnist and the local entertainment reporter. At so the sun. at the sun. Uh, so I, I'm going to ask you this, and you've probably heard this before. What do what do so it's pop culture oriented. Baltimore is starting to pop up a little bit more recently, and maybe it's five years. It's like after something really public happens, five or six years later, yeah, we got to start covering the city for some reason, um, which has already been covered to begin with, but um, in a very great way. What do you think filmmakers get right about Baltimore and where do they fall short in maybe covering the people, maybe covering the entertainment scene, or maybe just covering just different stories that are here? What do they get right and where do they fall short? 
Sure. Uh, man, you know, that's like, that ties into that question where it's like, I, I was so, I would get so frustrated when you go out of town, you tell people where you're from 10 years ago. And they're like, Oh, like the wire, right? Isn't Always like the wire. <laughs> Always the wire that I hated that conversation. And I felt like we were finally getting away from it, you know? Yeah. And then I, I, anyway, um, but the, the thing is the wire gets at a truth of the city truths about this city. And that's what makes it resonate with so many people. You know, and I think this would make the work of like Matt Porterfield resonate with a lot of people because he gets at like some truths about the folks that he puts on screen. And um, so did David Simon with the wire, mm -hmm. but at the same time, like whenever you do something like that, you're always leaving something else out because you're, you're working in a tiny little box with a limited cast and you know, you know this, you can only interview so many people, you can only spotlight so many things. And so it's, that's the tricky part is what do you leave out? Not what do you put in? A lot of times it's what do you leave out? Like what doesn't make it? Um, yeah. I feel like that can color people's perceptions of a place, of a scene, you know, of music. And The Wire certainly did that for us. You know, not always in the, in the best way. The last season was about the Baltimore Sun. It was about some guy who was plagiarizing all his stuff. And it was like, oh, God, like as a writer at the Baltimore Sun when this was being on TV, like all the questions from all the friends and stuff. So, you know, that was a little frustrating. But, you know, it gets at a larger truth for sure about journalism. So, yeah, you know. I kind of come away from it feeling a little mixed because I'm a big fan of that show. I can't wait to see Fenton, the, the, <laughs> the show about Fenton's book. Like yeah. that's going to be wild, but it's also kind of sad because you know, like this stuff all happened in Baltimore. Not a lot of it's good. Yeah. Uh, it, it's one of those things. Um, it was like a conversation I had with Sean champion about, um, and I realized I named Rob and it sounds so gauche, but I realized where, we were talking, I think about the show Atlanta and I was like, why isn't there a Baltimore equivalent of it? And I was like, why am I not the person involved with it? You know, it's kind of one of those things. And it just goes to maybe manifesting. That's like, look, this has to happen. Like there are some funny ass people here. There are some weird ass people here. It's like, why isn't there a version of Treme that's here? Why is it always soaked in some, let's be, keep it really funky and honest, some version of like black trauma or black tragedy. And then you pepper in some white folk, but really it's, it's kind of there. Like that's the, the, the point where we're at. And it's like, yeah, we, we got some weirdos here. We got a lot of different people here. And, and, and going back to what you said about how, how things are framed out, I, I remember people having, you know, people always have their feelings and their takeaways of, why something was excluded from maybe a property because there's so few instances where the properties have a spotlight on what's going on here. So if someone's omitted, then you feel like there's tea in a Patreon exclusive conversation <laughs> about, Oh, so why was a 92 Q involved in this? Where, where is this, this person at, you know, and why is Frank Ski not in, not in this, this documentary. And, you know, I, I think just when I always look at it like this, when you get the ball, you get the opportunity to make something that can go out there. What are you going to do? That's always what I look at. Like, are you going to try to do good? Or are you going to try to really cover something that you know? Or are you going to work with people? Are you going to collaborate? What does it look like to really move the needle? Because there are other cities that don't kind of have that same problem in terms of being represented from a hop culture standpoint. It's like, 
there's it's always sunny in Philadelphia. It's been on for what 15 seasons, <laughs> and it's kind of one of those things where you know that's a show that's in Philadelphia, but it's not like showing the the, the terrible things about it. Showing like these scoundrels <laughs> working at this bar or what have you, and it's like I always look at could this be done here. And that for me means the show is true. Could this be done in Baltimore? And what would the bar be? And all of that different stuff. That's the way I kind of look at these things and frame them out. Uh, in the last few questions I have. Oh, yeah, it's up there. Well, let me just add something there. Because sure. I think about this a lot too. Remember that we chased fame for a decade in this, like all through the 90s and early 2000s and mid 2000s, Baltimore musicians chased the record labels and what Drew Hill, Cisco, other than them, like, were there any major, major artists come out of Baltimore? No, they all got shelved and, you know, buried on some back in some back room somewhere in the record labels. Sadly, yeah. it was terrible. Like there were some great talents. So the next generation that came in in the mid 2000s were like, we're going to do our own thing. And yeah. if people notice it, great. And if they don't notice it, that's too bad because we're still going to keep doing it. Yeah. And you, know, you look at that whole, like all these bands that became popular, musicians that became popular five years later, they were grinding it out on the road playing house shows for years before anybody really big noticed. Yeah. And, you know, that's always been the, that's what's this whole wave of Baltimore music and arts and culture has been rooted in this DIY yes. ethos. It's like, I'm going to do it myself because I'm not in New York. I can't just walk down the street and play some club show and become famous or, you know, become a viral Instagram star or whatever. I'm going to just work with what I've got. And so I, I don't know. I, there's, there's that, there's definitely that vibe too in the scene. And, and I think generally um, in, in speaking more macroly, there's a certain taste here where, we'll tell you if your stuff is garbage. We, we have no problem with telling you that. And I feel like a lot of people do use Baltimore, at least in the past. And I don't, I don't know. I don't know from if it's different from your vantage point that they may come here, cut their teeth, kind of get past the whole trial by fire situation. And then it's off to bigger, and better things in their head. But once you've gotten over here, it's like, okay, I passed the Baltimore test. I've gotten out of the claws and now I can go to go wherever else. And I think that that's the thing here. Like, and I, I think it was a conversation from, with, with, with DDM. I was, I was like, you know, the performance is like the, the you know, the performance style that, that comes from DDM is really rooted in being here. Like you can't do some BS. You, you really have to put on. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, DDM's got that background as I, I saw him in battle raps in like 05 and 06 at the five seasons and other places. Yeah. And, just a, always, you know, you can tell, you can, <laughs> you can often tell who's got that star power, whatever you want to call it, just that charisma, that presence. Yeah. And, you know, and he did like, even back then he did, you could just tell as Midas, like he was just like, Whoa, who's, who's this? <laughs> I, I ran into I ran into him the other day. Actually, it's the first time we saw each other in person. I was like, I know you. He's like, I know you too. <laughs> it was it was great. Uh, nice. So, in an interest in paying it forward, uh, what would you say the best piece of advice you've received that you think would be appropriate to say share with the folks listening? Hmm. I think, and this is all right. Here's something that I've just kind of come, learned and become more aware about. Um, and, and maybe this sounds like, like I'm just being pedantic cause I'm, I'm finally realizing it. So I should share it with you, you know, but, <laughs> but you know, a, a friend of mine, Joe Giordano really, he put out this book. We used to live at night 
um, all about, why are you laughing? You know, you know, Joe interviewed him last week. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. So he put out this book. I've known him for a while. Uh, he did this girls of Dundalk calendar back in 2006. That I wrote about for the sun. We became friends. Yeah. And, um, when I was doing the nightlife column, we would go all over the place and he had, I think Michael Anthony Farley write about it in his, one of the essays in his book. Anyway, the point is he acknowledges this too. He wouldn't have been able to take any of these photos if he wasn't a white guy. And as that, he could walk around the city at any hour of day on any day and feel not unsafe. And I was the same for me. I would go to a gay bar in West Baltimore. I would go to a jazz bar in East Baltimore. I would go, you know, down in Brooklyn and I, all over the place. And I almost never felt unsafe. And I didn't even think about that. I, I didn't think about that until just recently. And what that meant, because, you know, not, not everyone can do that. I would say most people can't do that because of you know who they are, what they look like, how they dress, like that kind of stuff. And, yeah. and being aware of that and being aware of the music, the platform that I have and my responsibility to kind of present the most diverse group of voices that I can like that, 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 that to me, I think, I think what I would say to somebody who's getting into journalism is just think about who you are, how you present yourself and what you're presenting. Yeah. You, you know, I think that's some of the most important things because it doesn't really matter how famous they are it, to have a good music or have a good story. Uh, that's really what's important. And, yeah. and to make sure that you're representing the people that you're supposed to be there representing. Um, and I, I don't know, that's kind of what I would say, I guess. I'm sorry. It's kind of a convoluted answer, no, but no. I'm still kind of figuring it out myself. No, it, it's a thing where I, I think, uh, ideas, I think beliefs, I think, uh, realizations and, and, and so on are, are living things. And, and that's what it is. It's like, it's, it's, it's growing, it's developing. It's like, cause I, I know that and I'm sure people have listening like, Oh, you ramble. It's like, I do, because I'm, I'm always kind of thinking through it. And it's like, Oh, well maybe there's a different way to answer this question to get a more robust answer out of it. So I definitely understand where you're coming from and coming to that realization sometimes of like, Oh, this is what this looks like. I, you know, have to juggle with it where, you know, people don't see me until they see me. It's like, I'm six, four, like 300 pounds. It's like, Oh yeah, you don't have any problems in real life. It's like, I do, but you know, I may not have the same problems that someone else has and, you know, feeling unsafe or, or whatever. And so definitely I understand where you're coming from. Uh, so now the last question I have before we get to shame's plugs, you know, everyone's favorite part, which words or phrases do you most overuse? Oh man. You know, I, <laughs> Okay. So I have some questions that I, I ask over and over again, and people that listen to the show probably are sick of hearing. One of them is I believe, I don't believe in super specific questions. Um, unless I've really, really thought a lot about it, which is almost never the case. I, I want to, and I, I want to just, I start off with like, tell me about your, your new record. Tell me about this tour you just came off. And then you can kind of guide the conversation from there, but I'm sure people are like, tell me this and tell me that like a psychiatrist or something. Um, and <laughs> I also always ask about names, like what's the significance of the name of your new record or the name of the band? Where, what's the story there? Where did it come from? And sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't, but I use those two questions way too much. <laughs> yeah. I, I've tried to go there. I keep like, um, this is really inside baseball, but, uh, at least for, you, you would, you probably get this, but, uh, I would put together like, 
I go through other people's interviews. I watch other people's interviews. Like, how can I yeah. ask the same question and get it, get across? How can I get more meaning out of it? And some of the psychology questions, some of them are purely because I realize sensitive individuals sharing things that may have a more intimate um, kind of like framing around it. And sometimes people are just super sensitive about their, their projects and don't want to just sit there and talk about it, but they want to, and some people just will go deep into it and don't, don't want to cut off. And so it's like trying to monitor and curtail the questions. Cause you know, sometimes people just think, Oh yeah, you just ask a bunch of questions off the top of your head. Absolutely not. You, you can't, you can't. No, and you usually sound like a dummy by the time you're done. Cause yeah. people, people realize you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. And I, you know, and, and I kind of border on being at both spaces. Like I have an appreciation for what people do. And it's like some people, like, I remember when I had, um, I had Aaron Hankin on episode that hasn't come out yet. And, uh, I was like, you do a version of what I want to do. And I I was fanboying out. Or even when I had Aaron Brown on, I was fanboying out and other instances, it's like, I may not have the, a, a certain amount of energy. Well, not energy, but same interest in a particular area as something that's really in my wheelhouse, but I'm still interested in, tell me more about this in, in trying to get down to it. It's like, I want to learn what your story is and why you're doing it. And there's some weird people here to do really interesting, cool things. Um, there was a, there was a guy that I um, need to circle back with that does like many um, displays in Altoy cans. And he gets really, really detailed with it. Um, and he remind me of, it was this, I'm blanking on her name, but it was a uh, lady that uh, did the um, the original setup for like, like murder scene. She did the, the, the displays of it and show like oh, this. Yeah. 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 So it reminds me of that. He did one that was uh, just different Altoids cans, the smallest ones. And together, if you get them all together, they make up the operation kit, like the, the game operation. That is awesome. So I'm like, this guy is interesting. Like, why did you choose that? It's like, I know nothing about what it takes to do it, but that right there is interesting enough that in an Atlas obscure sort of way to bring me in. Totally. Love that. I would love that. I'm just picturing the smell in my head of like, you know, Altoids can empty Altoids can. Yeah. Just like, ah, yeah. Minty mm, fresh cinnamon. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, in, in that, in that cinnamony way, uh, <laughs> um, shameless plug time. What do, what do you want to plug? Um, social media, all of that good stuff. Sure. Um, well, I don't know. We've got a couple, we don't have a ton of concerts coming up these days, but we're working on announcing some, I guess if I'm going to plug anything, it would be uh, WTMD.org. Check out the site. Um, you know, follow us on IG at WTMD radio and, uh, yeah, you know, uh, hopefully got some more cool announcements coming up. So, oh, and the documentary, um, yeah, it's please. called, it's, I named it after a, uh, this is this is this band Ponytail, and they had this record, and we named it after that. Do whatever you want all the time. The Baltimore music scene, two thousand to twenty twenty, um, and that should hopefully be the trailer will be coming out soon, and the documentary will probably drop like early twenty twenty two. Okay, that sounds great. Thank you. Um, so I don't have any more questions, and uh, I guess I'll sign off. And this has been great. You've, this has been a treat. Good day to wrap up a, a Tuesday. It's Tuesday, right? Uh, <laughs> So it's been really nice, Rob. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great just talking about this stuff. It's really oh, you're, cool. You're welcome. Uh, so for, for Sam Sessa, uh, I am Rob Lee saying that there is art and music in and around Baltimore. You just got to look for it. Mm-hmm.